Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, there we go. Good morning, everybody. Uh, glad that you guys are here with us at church. Uh, I realized uh, this morning uh, I've already, I'm kind of a liar. Um, I lied about I lied about there being a house group for youth group this Wednesday. There's not. Okay, so uh, if you've got kids that are in that, please understand that I just lied to you. Um, another thing that we kind of lied about this morning, we said we didn't plan anything. We actually we actually do have rip your floats after the service for any of the guys in the house. So uh, right out there, go by, grab yourself a rip your float and leave. Um, thought that that'd be good for you. So you know. I probably shouldn't have said leave like that, I guess. Anyhow, okay. Uh, yeah, so today uh, we are we're going into the second uh, message here in our emotions series. And I'm not going to lie, it's kind of funny to me that on Father's Day we're going to talk about this one because what we're going to talk about today is anger. And why it's funny is because if there's one thing that I wish that I was better at as a dad, it was not getting angry all the time. And if all my kids were in here, I'm sure one of them was muttering under their breath, amen. Because um, there's, there's anger that comes out sometimes when, when you're, well, a human, but also when you're a dad. Um, get angry over the dumbest things. And my kids, all kids, I think they have this uncanny ability sometimes to kind of to take the peace that you're feeling and make it not feel so peaceful, right? Not that they're even trying to do it. I get angry when they are using my bathroom when I don't want them to. I'm not going to lie, I, used, I, got, I got super um, uh, used to having a bathroom in our bedroom that was completely away from everything else in our two four, past houses. And this house, we, we, have, we have a bathroom right off our bedroom, but there's also another door that comes in from the hallway that the kids can come in through. And so sometimes I'm like, ah, I'm going to go use the bathroom. And somebody's in there, and it bugs me like crazy. And I will get ridiculously mad at times. My wife will see me and she'll just give me that look like, seriously, you're mad about this? I'm like, yes, I am mad about this. And I'm going to be mad about it for about five more minutes, all right? I get angry when my newly licensed Abigail starts driving the car and is driving too fast. It's terrifying to me. And so I get very, very angry very quickly. And then she gets very annoyed very quickly with me, her father. I get angry when the living room is a mess five minutes after I just spent 20 minutes cleaning it up. Um, I even get angry over the fact that they're growing up too fast. And some of you are like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> just wait. Um, it's not all just that they're, they're growing up fast and they're going to leave the house. It's like they're growing up fast, and so you've got to get new clothes, and you've got to buy tons of food for them, and it costs money. Like, I, so I get angry sometimes. Kids cost money. Anger is a deep-seated emotion in us, and a lot of us struggle with that. I hope I'm not the only one. I hope that you're in that with me a little bit. Uh, but sometimes the anger is kind of illogical. Sometimes the anger makes complete sense. Like, yeah, there's a reason why I'm angry right now. Um, I don't enjoy the emotion of anger. <sighs> okay, I do a little bit. <laughs> As I think about it, it's like, yeah, it's kind of fun to be angry sometimes. But I don't enjoy the feeling of getting angry with my wife or my kids and feeling like they maybe are feeling that I... I, I just don't even want them in the room right now. That's not a fun feeling to have, that you feel like you're doing that to people, that you're inconveniencing them, that, uh, 
that there's this ickiness inside of you because you've gotten angry over things that you shouldn't get angry of, over. But anger, I think it is, it's just a real issue that every single one of us has to deal with. I think also, we also know that it is not something that is what a follower of Jesus should be known for. I think that's part of why we don't like ultimately the feeling of getting angry because we know this is not what following Jesus is supposed to look like. In fact, Jesus said exactly what we should be known for. John 13, 35, he said, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. If you love one another. Now, anger is like, it is opposing that idea of love most of the time. My anger gives my kids mixed emotions on what the love of Jesus actually looks like. And so I think there's a, another difficult passage here that I'm going to read. It's a little bit longer one from Galatians. And Paul, Paul writes about, about kind of all the things that we struggle with, and you're going to hear anger is one of them. So this is Galatians 5, starting in verse 19. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And just so you know, he put outbursts of anger with a lot of other stuff. It's kind of equal to it all, right? So let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. All right, so can I just come right out and say it? I don't feel like I have taken my outbursts of anger and nailed them to the cross of Jesus and crucified them there. I listen to that, and I'm like, that just, it doesn't sound like that is what I've actually done with my anger. It's there still. Now, sure, I may not be as angry as some people, and I may not even be as angry as I used to once be, but man, the way that this anger sometimes wages inside of me, even if I don't let it out, just how it's, how it's kind of bursting to the seams in me sometimes, it doesn't feel right. Maybe anger is not your struggle as much as it is mine, uh, but I'm guessing that every single one of us, there is some aspect of anger that we deal with. And so the question is, what can we do with this anger? Is there a path to finding joy in Christ that can kind of release this bondage that we have that comes from our anger? Now, simple answer is yes, I believe that there is a path forward. The difficult thing is, while there is a path forward to this joy in Christ and, and, and a victory over anger, I think it's going to take a long time. It's a long process for us to figure this out. It's a painstaking process to get to that place where we react to the world that makes us mad in a way that anger isn't just flowing like crazy. Now, anger actually happened to a lot of really well-known people in the Bible. If, if you don't think that anger is, is a struggle for all of humanity, just open up the Bible and read about some of the people that the Bible actually talks about being men and women of faith. Uh, one of the guys that we're going to talk about just a little bit today is a guy named Jonah. Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he was told by God to go to this city of Nineveh because Nineveh was really bad. And God's going, hey, Jonah, I want you to go there. Tell them that they're doing wrong, that they need to turn from their ways, and we'll take care of them. 
Problem was, Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. Hated them. He was constantly angry about this group of people. And so instead of going to the city of Nineveh, most of us maybe have heard the story. He goes the opposite way to a city called Tarshish. And he gets on a boat. And while he's on that boat, a storm comes. They throw him out of the boat. He gets swallowed by a big fish. And he's in that big fish for three days. Finally, the fish spits him out on land. And he decides then, okay, I probably should go to Nineveh. I think God's trying to tell me something. Goes to Nineveh, tells him, hey, you got to turn from your ways. And they do. God saves them. And at the end of the book of Jonah, we see what the reaction from this dude named Jonah actually is. Jonah chapter 3 says this. When God saw that what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Man, I read that and I'm like, I feel like Jonah so much of the time. When you're on the outside looking in, you're reading this story and you're going, Jonah, you're, you're messed up. All God wanted to do was be gracious and kind to a, a city. And you're... You're sitting there all angry and saying you want to die. Like, this dude is having a complete meltdown. He is a baby. But I look at that and I'm going, that's, that's me a lot of times. I seem to freak out and get way too angry about things that I just shouldn't. Things I have no right to get angry about. I have a friend who actually preached on anger a couple, uh, about a month and a half ago maybe, and I was listening to the sermon. He said something that was really wise. Um, and maybe this is something that uh, maybe a therapist would, would tell us, I don't know. But he, uh, he said, anger is most often a secondary emotion that disguises primary emotions. As I was thinking through that this week, I'm like, man, there's, there's a lot of truth to that, I think. Even James alludes to this point in, in James chapter 4. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What makes you angry? He says, don't they come from your, from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. See, this emotion of coveting something brings out this, this secondary emotion, which is anger. Uh, anger is a really strong emotion, but I think a lot of times it's, it's kind of masking these secondary emotions that we deal with. And I think about this as, as my situation as a dad. You know, I might say, you know, Okay, let me just, I'm going to take the silly story of me not liking it when my daughters are in my bathroom, okay? I might say, man, I get so angry when my daughters, when my daughters go in my bathroom and they're taking it up and I can't go in there. Sounds stupid. I get it. But that's not really what the problem is. The problem is not my daughters. I'm glad that my daughters have a bathroom to go and use. Because <laughs> otherwise, that could be really weird in our house. All right? It's good. My anger isn't because of something that I've observed somebody else doing. And as long as I blame my anger on somebody else's actions, I'm not going to get to the heart of that anger, and I'm not going to be able to, to deal with that anger. I'm just going to continue to see other people's actions, and I'm going to get mad at it. Um, what really needs to happen is this. I need to identify the primary emotion in me that is actually bringing out the anger. 
Once I can do that, now we can start to deal with why I'm getting angry so much. Instead of saying, man, I get angry because my daughters are are taking up the bathroom. I, I need to identify this primary emotion of why that anger is happening. Why is that anger happening? Why do I have this silly degree of anger that's coming out? And the answer would be, I'm angry because I feel like my time and my space is always being invaded. I live in a house with five women, you guys. I, I love them all. But sometimes it feels like I, I, just, I just want a space to myself for a minute. And so when that doesn't happen, that's where anger sometimes will come out. It's not just that I'm an angry human being. There's an emotion there that, that I'm not dealing with very well. So that's it. I feel invaded at times. Now, my wife should feel even more invaded because my daughters like her way more than me. And they're on her all the time. Uh, but these emotions, they need to be addressed. It's not always the anger that first needs to be addressed. And so if we're struggling with anger, that's, that maybe is the thing that we need to walk away with, going, okay, what is it deep down that I need to let God kind of work on with me. If I keep looking at the actions of somebody else, if I keep looking at the actions of my daughter instead of what it is that's actually causing the anger, I'm just, I'm going to continue to struggle in anger. So many of the things that, that we get angry about, they are petty. So many of the things that I get angry about, if I think about it later on, I'm like, oh man, why did I get so angry about that? Uh, Thursdays, I, t- I talk about this, but Thursdays are my day off. I'm at home with my daughters, and my, do- my wife is usually going to work that day. And I think my daughters have come to just expect, I'm going to get really stupid angry about at least one thing that day for no reason. It's just going to happen. And they've learned to accept and love me, I think, in spite of that. Um, and it's actually why we say the phrase, what happens on Thursdays stays on Thursdays. Like, whatever I just did, we don't have to tell mom about it. She doesn't need to know everything about me, okay? Um, but if it goes, like, past one crazy freak out, then, then they're probably going to get a little bit more annoyed at dad. I think it's, it's going to be really hard. The more that I think through this idea of it being primary emotions that I'm dealing with that's causing the anger, it's going to be that much harder for me to to realize that the moment that I'm getting angry, it's really about something really simple and really stupid. If I'm getting annoyed with something, it's a lot easier for me if I realize that it's annoyance that's happening to me, I can go, okay, annoyance is not a reason for me to get all angry. I can be annoyed, but let's deal with the annoyance instead of uh, leaping to this anger. And if I can start to say that kind of stuff and think through that kind of stuff, ask God to help me think through that kind of stuff, maybe that anger can start to lessen. You see, my anger usually comes from my poor emotional state, not from someone else's actions. If I am not doing well emotionally, if spiritually I am in a bad place, what's going to happen is all of my emotions are going to set off a lot quicker, and now anger comes a lot easier. When I'm in a good emotional place, and there there are times, um, Eric and I, uh, my my boss Eric, he used to be the campus pastor, he's now our, our, our executive pastor, um, and there'd be days where Eric would come in and he'd go, hey, Kellen, I'm in a really good place. Tell me, like, the worst thing that you struggle with me and we can talk about it. I was like, that's weird. Um, but it was awesome because he, he would realize he could listen to the diff- most difficult thing when he was in a good emotional state. When we are in a good emotional place, when our spirits are in the right place, we can actually hear things and not get angry in ways that we would at other times. That's why I love what, what, what happens in the last verse here that we read in Jonah. God says to Jonah, 
is it right for you to be angry? He's trying to wake him up. Like, is it okay for you to be angry about this, Jonah? See, Jonah was so focused on God's actions, he was thinking, I'm angry, God, because you choose to be gracious and righteous and, and, and kind to a group of people that I hate. It is so easy for us to be mad at other people's actions, even when they are totally in the right, when they are being kind, when they're being good. Sometimes my wife, when she is super nice and I'm not emotionally there, I get annoyed because she's being so nice and she's such a good person because I can't meet her there. You ever feel that? Ah. God being kind and gracious to someone that we don't like. Why the anger, Jonah? My kids going to use the bathroom just before I wanted to go in there. Why the anger, Kellen? What was the real issue that Jonah was struggling with? What was the real issue that was making Jonah angry? See, I think his anger it was actually a secondary emotion. There was a primary emotion that was causing Jonah to get to that place of anger, and here's what it was. Jonah was angry because he felt that something unfair had occurred. He was feeling an un- a sense of unfairness. His issue actually wasn't really with God. It was with this idea of unfairness. Now, if, we, if he could have been honest with himself about that issue, I think it would have been a lot easier for him to go to God, to have a conversation with God, say, okay, I, I don't need to be angry about this, but I'm feeling like this is unfair. Think about the conversation that him and God could have had if he's just going, okay, God, this doesn't feel fair. Could you explain to me why you're, why you're doing this, why you're saving this city that's awful? But instead, he, he went past that and he jumped to anger. See how it would have changed if he would have dealt with the primary emotion. If things were really unfair, then he could have allowed God to actually work him through the idea of forgiveness. But as we know it, this was not an unfair situation. God was treating a city with love. So at the end of the story, I love how God actually gives it really straight to Jonah. This is a part that we didn't read. He says in verse 11 of Jonah chapter 4, he says, "'Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh?' in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. What does he mean by when he says that they can't tell their right hand from their left? He's saying that they can't tell the difference between right and wrong. They don't know how to act right. And so, Jonah, you're telling me that I shouldn't care about the 120,000 people that can't figure it out themselves? I should just be mad at them, and I should send them off to hell. That's what you're saying? He's essentially asking him, do you really think that it's unfair for me to save 120,000 people? Now, I figure if I'm Jonah and I'm sitting there and I'm listening to God, and it's interesting because the, 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 the whole book actually kind of ends right there. It doesn't really say after that what happened. But I can only imagine Jonah had to feel just foolish, right? Here I am getting mad at, at whatever I'm getting mad at, and God's now just saying to me, should I really not save 120,000 people, Jonah? And I wonder all the times that I'm getting mad, what would God be trying to say to me? Should I really not let this happen, Kellen? Should, is this something that you really should get mad at? I get mad at somebody driving on the road and they cut me off. Kellen, is you getting to work two seconds later really something to get mad at about? Man, if we could just have God speak that kind of wisdom into our hearts in those moments we get mad. But I know, I know some of you, when we're talking about 
you know, Jonah looking at and seeing all this as being unfair. Some of you are like, but Kellen, what, what, about, what about the unfairness that really, truly is unfair? Because here's the thing. We, we live in a world where there really is unfairness. We live in a world where there are really bad people who do really bad things. And so when it feels unfair like that and I get angry, what am I supposed to do about that, Kellen? Here's something I, I love. Joshua, Josh Calhoun, uh, our worship director in Beloit, we were talking about this, this sermon during our teaching team. Uh, and he said this, and I, I thought it made such good sense. He said, even if your anger is justified anger, how is that anger affecting your heart? Is it good for you to hold on to that anger? It's a real question that I think that we have to deal with. When you think that something's unfair, when you think that something is, is so wrong that you should be mad at it, is the anger actually doing you any good? In our culture, we, we actually live in a culture where a lot of people just think it's the cool thing now to be mad at stuff. Uh, go on social media. Just scroll through stuff. And you're, you're bound to find people who are just spouting off about what they're mad about. Uh, to the point that we almost talk about what we're mad about so much because I think that we have this weird thought that I show people my righteousness by showing them all the things that I'm mad at. All the things that are unfair in the world, I'm going to show you how mad I am about it. Well, guess what? This madness is not doing us any good. We are just acting in anger over things over and over again. Anger doesn't heal stuff. We have to realize that at some point, anger doesn't bring healing. It will never get us to that place. And I talked about about a month and a half ago, talking about Jesus overturning tables in the temple. He comes in, they're doing stuff that they shouldn't do, and, and, and he gets mad and he starts overturning tables. But that display of anger was so rare that we saw that kind of thing from Jesus one time in the New Testament. One time in the life of Jesus that he acts in that kind of anger. And I actually think about it, it doesn't say this in the Gospels, but I imagine after Jesus overturned those tables and got them out and didn't, so they couldn't do what they were doing, he probably came back up back later and helped them carry those tables off, right? Because I see Jesus, and he doesn't hold on to anger. He doesn't. Some of us, I think we have this idea that he was turning over tables and then he was just mad the rest of the day. I don't think that's Jesus. That's me. That's what I do. I get angry and it's like I, I store up the anger and then when I let out a little bit of it, it just all pops. It just comes out everywhere. I don't think that was Jesus. In all honesty, it is easy for, for me to get over my little bouts of anger um, that are caused by some unhealthy emotions. You know, if I'm feeling annoyed or frustrated, uh, whatever it might be, that anger, uh, a lot of times I look, at, I look at what I did in that moment of anger, and most of the time I'm embarrassed about it. Yelling at my kids when they're being too loud in the house, or, or getting mad when I'm in the car, or getting angry when somebody chews uh, their food with their mouth open. All those things, they get me really angry in these short moments. And then I think about it later, and I'm like, you're, you're messed up, Kellen. <laughs> Like, why, why? Why do you go to that place? These are brief moments of anger that I think brings a lot of us embarrassment. Um, if I can learn to listen to my primary emotion in those moments, it might actually be fairly easy to start to learn to be less angry. But here's the thing. Justified anger feels different to us. There are things in this world that we feel justified in getting angry about. And so it... There's actually a point where there's some things where it's like, I should be really angry about this. And it feels like that's just where we should be. So what do we do about that kind of anger? I want you to hear this. While anger disguises 
primary emotions, I think it also disguises something else. Anger disguises unprocessed grief. A lot of us, we go through grief, and when anger comes out, a lot of times it's from grief that we've experienced that we have not been able to healthily go through. Did I make up a word, healthily? If I did, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, But the anger that we're feeling, it gets justified, and and after we've been in this moment of grief, it just feels like this is, this is anger that's where I should be. But it's still not healthy for us. It's still not the thing that's going to bring us healing. You know, I've seen this with friends who, um, who've lost children. You go through that kind of grief, and, and there are bound to be moments where you're not going to deal with it in a healthy way, and you're going to find yourself getting angry. I think we saw it actually during all the pandemic stuff. People, maybe they lost loved ones, but even, even more so, I think what was difficult for a lot of people, um, they were losing moments. They were losing experiences. They were losing uh, moments to go and be with people. They were losing moments to actually, to actually go and be in places that they enjoyed being in. Kids in, in school, they actually had to lose sports seasons. And so did you not see a bunch of anger in the time of that pandemic? The way that churches dealt with the pandemic— People left churches left and right because of this kind of unprocessed grief that was going on. And so it came out in ways of anger. We have to process our grief in a healthy way or else, honestly, you and I are going to become angry people. If you've been dealing with anger for for a kind of a long amount of time, the, the truth is there's probably a little bit of unprocessed grief that might be there. I've experienced that in my life, uh, going through a moment of grief and like, Three years later, you're still trying to kind of weed your way through that grief and and to deal with the anger that comes from that grief. But we have to learn to resolve our grief. Now, resolving grief, it it, it might actually sound like we're just just making it go away. Uh, Resolving grief is not the same as ignoring it. It's not the same as eliminating it, pretending like it's not there. It's also not the same as just diving deep into it and losing yourself in your grief. It requires a healthy approach to our grief. See, the Bible actually talks about grieving. Uh, it uses this word called lamenting. And lamenting is, is an interesting word. It, it actually means embracing two tensions fully, 100%, that are going on at the same time. Not embracing something 50-50, but two things at 100% at the same time. Here's what it is. Lamenting. You 100% embrace the truth that things are not what they should be, and you 100% embrace the truth that things are not always as they will be. In other words, that one day everything sad is going to come untrue. This is, lamenting means me stepping in full, full out saying, the world is not the way it should be. The world kind of stinks. But while that's also the case, the other thing that's the case is God still has it all under control. God still has my back. God still has my future. Holding on to these two things allows us to now go to God with the deepest, darkest, ugliest emotions that we possibly have. And we can go to God now and say, okay, God, this is is me. This is who I am. This is where I'm feeling. Before I get angry, God, I need you to transform that. I need you to transform these emotions. I can't transform my emotions on my own, but I can go to God and I can ask God to transform my emotions into things like gratitude, contentment, rather than anger. And he has the power and he has the will to be able to do that for us. Processing our grief in a healthy manner, more often than not, it actually looks like forgiveness. Uh, 
Because I think a lot of times that most entrenched anger that we have, it's because there is this lack of forgiveness. And Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, there's three quick things that I think that, that we can see what he's trying to say to us here about anger. The first thing is this. Anger is only healthy until it's not. He is not saying anger is sin and it's wrong. He's saying in your anger don't sin. See, anger is actually just a warning sign for us. It is a warning sign that there is something unhealthy, an emotion unhealthy that's going on in us that we have to deal with in order for that anger not to come out and not to take over. If you feel anger, let it be a warning sign before anything else. Okay, it's not, that's not the sin. It is a warning sign for you. Second thing is this, express your anger. He said, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. That means that we have to deal with it. We have to let it out. We have to let it out in a healthy way, but we've got to let it out in some way. We've got to uncover the emotion that is uncovering the anger. And then the third thing is this, release your anger. He says, don't give the devil a foothold. Here's the thing, releasing, just releasing your anger it doesn't take it away. I, I mentioned it before, but I, I don't know if you've been in that spot where you let a little anger come out and you, you kind of had a little outburst and then all of a sudden that little outburst turned into like five straight minutes of outburst. I'm guilty. It's really good when you're mowing because the mower is loud. And so you can just scream things for like a half hour straight, you guys. It's really cool. But yeah, you let that anger out and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, where did all this come from? Ultimately, releasing our anger, it requires going to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? And actually, better question is, who is Jesus in his nature? Jesus is a restorer. He is a forgiver. He is a redeemer. Jesus reminds me that while he was frustrated and annoyed with me, he chose not to, to lash out in anger at me. Instead, he chose to go to a cross and die for me. You think about that. There had to be some primary emotions Jesus has for me when he sees the way that I act, and he still chooses not to act in anger towards me. He chooses to lay his life down and to forgive. Now, here's the thing. Forgiveness is just not easy. It's not easy for any of us. And maybe it's really hard for you to, to go ahead with the idea of, that you can forgive somebody who's hurt you really bad. But maybe what you can do today is you can go to God with the emotion that that person has brought upon you. I think it's actually easier for us to allow God to heal the emotion that's going on in us than maybe to do the actual forgiveness of the person. I think maybe there is a quicker road to healing than what we thought there was. We think, man, I just got to forgive that person. Why don't you let God work on the emotion that you're feeling of what that person has brought on you? And once that emotion has been able to be healed, as God has taken care of that emotion and taken care of the anger that that emotion maybe has brought on, now maybe we've got it in us that God has given us the grace to now find a way to forgive that person. There is a, there is a road to healing. From a historical, biblical perspective, I want to take, as, as I just finish up here, I want to take you through the idea of what Jesus did, what God did in the Old Testament and through Jesus when it comes to his desire to bring justice to sin. God has within him this, this need for justice. He is a just God. 
And when, when he created the world, the idea was for us all to just follow, follow him in love. And it didn't happen. Sin came into the world. And as sin piled up, there came a point where God said, you know, I'm going to wipe out the world. And he, he literally wiped out the world and kept Noah and his family alive in the flood. But even that didn't make people stop sinning. They kept on going and doing awful stuff. And so there came a point in the Old Testament where God said, you know what? I am going to make a people for myself. The nation of Israel is going to be mine and they're going to, we're going to be, we're going to be friends. And that didn't work out too well. They still, the, the nation of Israel went against God over and over and over again. Until finally the point came where he said, okay, I'm going to bring, I'm going to let my son go into the world and I'm going to choose to let him die for that sin. There is a, there's a sense of justice in God that it wasn't going to be wiped out. Sin was not going to be wiped out by taking everybody out of this world. It wasn't going to be wiped out by making, bringing people alongside of him and, and making a people for himself. It, the only answer was Jesus. Here's the thing. I think sometimes we do a little bit of what God showed us in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the purpose of it is to actually show us that nothing works apart from Jesus. That everything that God was trying to do to get people right, it wasn't going to work until Jesus came. And I think sometimes what I do is in my anger, in my desire for justice, I want to wipe out the world. I just say, forget it. I don't need anybody. I'm going to be angry. Guess what? It doesn't work. And then I go and say, okay, I'm going to bring everybody alongside me that I want alongside me. I'm going to make my world the best that it possibly can be. Well, guess what? That doesn't work either. The only answer that we have to our anger, it's Jesus. It is the only thing that we have. Getting angry at the world, not going to do it. Bringing, making the world everything that we want it to be, bring, we're not going to find peace that way. The only way that you and I are going to find peace is by giving ourselves over to Jesus. The only answer to your anger is and always has been only Jesus. The only way we're going to experience peace in this world is to let Jesus into our emotional life. How do you do that? You ask him in. Like it's not, it's not rocket science, but it's also really hard. How do we let Jesus in? It is an everyday communion with Jesus saying, Jesus, my emotions are not right. I'm struggling with anger. I got to let you in. You do the hard work because I can't do it myself. There has to be a trust in Jesus for this. When you sense your emotions taking over and disturbing your peace, choose to go to Jesus who is the author of peace. Now, I think anger is a natural human response. We're all going to still struggle with it from time to time. But it's also a natural warning sign for each and every one of us that our emotions and our internal spirits are not in the right place. Today, do you sense that you've been dealing with your emotions in maybe some of the wrong ways? Have you been feeling an anger inside of you that doesn't feel right and you know you got to give it over to Jesus? Have you been leaning on your own understanding and how to deal with your emotions and the things that you're experiencing? The question is, the way that you're dealing with your emotions, is it leading you to more anger or is it leading you to more peace? My guess is, if, you're leading, if, if it's all on you, you're not very, very much at peace. If you're giving it to Jesus, there's probably some peace. So today what I want us to do is I want us to ask God to help us 
to turn to him today and to ask him to actually heal these emotions that we're dealing with. It goes beyond your anger. There's stuff deep down maybe. If, if you're struggling with anger today, there's some other stuff that I think God wants to work out in you. There's some other stuff that I think God wants to bring you peace with. And so let's ask him to do that, okay? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.